0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Girl Boss Radio from Panoply. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder of Nasty Gal, the author of the New York Times bestselling book Girl Boss, and author of nasty galaxy which drops in just four days next tuesday october 4th you can currently pre-order it anywhere books are sold there's signed copies at barnesandnoble.com and nastygal.com and i'm probably coming to your city i'll be in new york on october 4th i'll be in brooklyn on october 5th i'll be in coral gables florida on october 6th i'll be in austin texas october 8th san francisco october 10th L.A. October 12th at The Grove, Barnes & Noble. And then I'll be back in Brooklyn October 20th at the Brooklyn Museum with Squarespace. Um, You guys can find all the information at girlboss.com. There's a tab called Books um, or at NastyL.com. I hope to see you guys. Um, Please get your copy. It's beautiful. It's four pounds. It's 272 pages. It's already a bestseller on Amazon. And we're really hoping to make it onto the New York Times bestseller list. So you guys know the drill. On this podcast, I interview a different woman about her trajectory, her story, her beginnings, how she got to where she is today, what inspires her, what keeps her motivated, and some tips and tricks that she's picked up along the way. Hopefully along with some great advice. Um, today's guest is pop musician Yuna. But first, a couple of weeks ago at Girlboss, we announced our Girlboss Foundation grant recipient, Mara Benudin Lecoq. She is an amazing project that we're so excited to share with you. And we thought, why not hear it straight from Mara herself? Uh, our very talented Girlboss radio producer, Shara Morris, interviewed Mara last week to hear all about Mara and her book, Secret Code.
1: So, Mara, thank you so much for being here and joining us in our studios from New York. Thank you for having me. So, I think this is really cool because our listeners and our readers hear a little bit about the Girl Boss Foundation, but they might not know as much about you. And so, this is just a good time to tell us about your project and tell us a little bit about yourself. So, can you just tell us a little bit about what you do? Because it's it's really cool and creative. Uh, so, I'm a, I'm a creative director in uh, advertising in New York by trade.
2: I started as an art director and then moved up the ranks. And
1: uh, now I'm newly an entrepreneur, I guess, which is uh, the first time I'm saying it out loud. So, can you just tell our listeners about your winning proposal for the Girl Boss Foundation? It's so cool. Um, So I'm creating a personalized picture book that challenges
2: stereotypes and shows your girl as a hero. Um, It's personalized in the sense that you can uh, change her name, skin color, hairstyle, um, eye colors, and a few bits of information about her. And uh, you do that online and then you receive a physical classic picture book at home that your girl can relate to.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing concept. It's so innovative and fresh. And the book is called Secret Code. Is that correct?
2: Yes, it's Secret Code. And the story, which I didn't mention in the description, because it's it's really more about showing girls in a heroic role. But the story has a background in technology where basically she's a badass coder girl. Who builds robots in her spare time and one day her parents tell her you have to clean your room and nobody likes cleaning their room so she decides to build a robot to do her chores but uh, she makes her robot so powerful that things uh, spiral out of control and uh, at the end she saves the day.
1: Yeah, there's such a great STEM component there, right? Yeah. So my goal was to
2: bring inspiration into action as well. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of great uh, documentaries and books out there that you just get you riled up like Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth. You know, you're like, oh, my God, the world is coming to an end. We have to help it. And at the end, there's like credits rolling. And you're like, and so what can I do? Um, So I wanted at the end of the book. To propose different coding and uh, robotics uh, activities. Uh, You know, once they're inspired, once they relate to a story uh, that looks like them, um, they can start coding when they're five years old. And there's a lot of great technology and education partners out there that I want to speak about um, so that I do the job of inspiring and they do the job of actually educating them.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. So, like, there will be hopefully an additional part of the book where it's like what you can do and partnering with companies. Is that what you're
2: saying? Yeah. Overall, what really motivated me with this project was to have a positive impact on society and to solve some problems that uh, currently exist. And right now there's very few women in leadership positions, very few women in technology. But there's a lot of studies and there's a stat that says 80 percent of the jobs in the next decade will require technology skills and these are fields that uh, girls steer away from because they find it nerdy and unrelatable and I get it you know it's like when you see when you think of somebody who's passionate about computer science it's not super relatable for a girl but that's why I wanted it uh, I wanted to come up with a story that they could identify with where they're like wait coding is super fun for girls too
1: Yeah, it's so unfair. It shouldn't have to be that way. So thank you for (laughs) helping change those ideas.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's really important to be exposed to role models when you're a kid. Um, it's something that I'm quite passionate about, and I, I feel fortunate to have had that. Um, and whenever I read about an amazing woman out there or an amazing man, there's always a backstory of the parent showing this or the neighbor or um, something that was triggered in childhood that led them to be passionate about something. Um, so what I wanted to do is to start sparking a thought or even a dialogue with the parents or a behavior that can later lead to a fulfilling career.
1: And you had that experience yourself in childhood. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. um, When I was uh, 12, so that was like early 90s or mid 90s, I forget. My dad gave me a book called How Do You Use HTML3? um, And that blew my mind. It made me uh, able to start coding websites in GeoCities uh, just on Notepad. So I was super proud. I felt like a super nerd. And at the same time, my mom was a super feminist uh, who was obsessed about having brains but also looking good, um, which is a French side. I'm I'm half French, half Filipino. Um, so <laughs> my parents showed me different things, and I never really felt barriers like at all. So, yeah, I was like seven years old and I loved computers, cute dresses and Metallica. And I think it's really important for girls to not feel like they're boxed into a certain stereotype because it holds them back.
1: Wow. And what was it like when you heard that you actually got the grant?
2: Uh, I think I wasn't even thinking about it anymore. Usually when I apply for things like these, I don't Overthink, like, am I gonna get it? Am I gonna, am I not gonna get it? Uh, because then you sort of hope and get disappointed. So I was like, uh, never mind. Uh, and then one day, one evening, I was uh, in a restaurant and I received an email from Dina saying that uh, I won the grant. But initially, I I read the email, I was like, oh, it's probably an email saying that I didn't win, (laughs) and I was like, no, I think I'm reading this right.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, I have one more question. So I mean, you have all of the you have the vision, you have some of the finances to back you up now. Yeah. Um, and where where do you go from here? What does the process look like now?
2: Um. So I'm intending to launch on October 11, which is like tomorrow <laughs> for <laughs> for the International Day of the Girl Child. And from there, people can take in orders um, and personalize their book on the site. And honestly, I'll just see how, how things develop and see, you know, if if it works out at the end of Christmas,
1: I'll see what comes next in, in plan. Well, congratulations, Mara. We're really excited and proud of you. And we can't wait to see Secret Code come out in the physical form. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for the support and encouragement.
2: uh, You guys have been really crucial to everything. It's it's transformed my year.
0: Our guest, Yuna, was always passionate about singing, but she wasn't sure it could be a reality. She grew up in Malaysia, where everyone around her was supposed to be a doctor or lawyer, not a pop star. But Yuna had different plans, and she had a voice that matched her ambition. She wrote and performed her own music, published it on MySpace, a website some of you may remember, and eventually got the attention of producers here in L.A. Since releasing her debut EP in 2011, Yuna has produced three albums, collaborated with greats like Usher and Pharrell and shattered stereotypes along the way. Why? She wears a headscarf in observance of her Muslim faith. Beautiful, beautiful headscarves. has been profiled in numerous magazines like Vogue and New York Mag about her signature look. She's about to go on tour for her latest album, Chapters, so we're super excited to have her in our LA studio today. Yuna, thank you so much for coming on Girlboss Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so cool <laughs> to have you here. Um and I want to start the episode with you know the same question that I ask all our guests, um, just because everyone has a start, and mm-hmm. I think it's really important. Yeah. Um, I mean, you are a successful musician. You have a huge social following. Um, you know, you've made it really, really far. But we all have a start. We yeah. all have a first job or the first mm-hmm. thing that we do, whether it's babysitting or for me it was working at subway making sandwiches oh, that's so crazy that's so <laughs> <know>. awesome <laughs> um and so i'm just curious what was your first job wow so i um i went to law school uh
3: yeah i think my first job like uh in my final year i was like interning i was, I was doing internship at a courthouse like oh, a, wow. yeah and for like a where, month, where did so. you go
0: to law school Uh, This was
3: back home in Malaysia, where I'm from. Okay. So,
0: Kuala Lumpur, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, I knew you went to law school, and I'm trying to find the connection between (laughs) law school and an incredible music career. What made you interested in law and getting into law?
3: Well, I think, you know, it's just like the way I was brought up. You know, my dad um, was a lawyer. My cousins were going to law school. So I grew up just like surrounded by, you know, people who were just like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. So even though I was like musically inclined you know i was doing music i loved singing you grow up just understanding that okay well you know singing is just a hobby like music is just something you do on the side and mm-hmm. you know you need to kind of go to college and be a lawyer blah 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 or like a surgeon whatever you know so growing up in an asian country i feel like you lean towards the more like academic like mm-hmm. um professions you
0: know so oh, yeah yeah that must have been a huge leap. And so at what point, I mean, obviously we all sing. I sing in my car sometimes or I'll sing in the shower. And obviously, I mean, my voice is n- nowhere near <laughs> yours. When did you know that you had talent for singing and and decide that you wanted to pursue oh, that? Wow. Uh, I think I was like six or seven.
3: Like, okay. um, I remember just like listening or watching like this commercial. It was for Nescafe. Like I remember. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. It was so funny because like. I remember singing along to this song on TV and I remember think, thinking like, yeah, I could sing uh, like, wow, damn, I sound good. So this is me like six years old, like, you know, like um, and I remember that moment specifically. And after that, like my mom, you know, I told my mom, like, hey, I want to sing. And, you know, she would be super supportive, took me to all these like auditions and like singing contests and stuff
0: like that. Amazing. And <laughs> while you were in law school, you started entering music competitions. Is yeah. that correct?
1: And uh-huh. yeah, how did you
0: get interested in that? And wh- how was balancing, you know, law I'm, school? With, yeah, I mean, that sounds crazy. I mean,
3: they weren't like competitions, but they were like uh, local, like independent gigs, you know, oh, okay. so I was kind of like, you know, being a little bit rebellious at the time, because I always knew that I had this creative side. And I had to compress it into, you know, because, like, doing law is so heavy. Like, it's so dry, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, I've always, I had to make it interesting or, like, it had my notes had to be colorful, you Uh know what I mean? So I started going to to shows. Like, I started going to, like, rock shows and, like, with my friends. And then I became friends with them. And I asked them, you know, like, yo, how come, like, your songs are never on the radio? They're so good. And they're like, no, because we're independent, you know, like. We're not going to be on the radio, blah, blah, blah. It was really difficult at the time. So I was like, wow, that was that's so cool that you're able to kind of just like start an independent music career in Malaysia. Like I had no idea like that this was going on like uh-huh. in, in my city. So I just got into it and... Balancing the like law and music, I think. Yeah, no, I failed like my last semester because oh, yeah? of the music thing. Did you yeah, end up graduating? Year. I I did. Oh, amazing! Yeah, wow. So you're a the lawyer? final year.
0: I mean, you could be. I,
3: I could be, but I just didn't like. I, I didn't take up the the bar exams. And yeah, like totally. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you
0: enter like a
3: TV show at some point? I did. <laughs> what was it called? <laughs> it was called One in a Million. So it's kind of like American Idol like the Malaysian version of American Idol. And uh, I remember, yeah, I was still in school at the time. And um, I skipped class on that day because that was like the audition date. So I was lining up from 9 a.m. and I got into the audition room at at, like 10 p.m. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I know. It was just like crazy. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go. I'm going to like sing my song, like sing for them. And let's just see, you know. And you like got onto the show. I got on the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did for like uh like two episodes over three. What I think. was that like? Was it terrifying? Oh yes. Yeah, I was super terrified. Was it a live audience? It there wasn't a live audience, oh, but the fact that you just know that it was a lot of pressure because you're singing with all these people, right? So you had to work in groups and you know how, it is. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like it's kind of like American Idol, like you have to go through all these like s- different stages of they're going to test you like, oh, can you memorize a song within like five hours or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's just do
0: you feel like stressful? That, <laughs> do you, like, did it give you a start in your career or exposure to something that you feel like you didn't have? Like what happened when you left that show? When I left,
3: when I got eliminated, I didn't make it to the round where, you know, like you're the top 20 and Mm -hmm. you get to you you finally get to choose your songs. Right. So I didn't get to that stage. I was so stressed out. I was like, oh, shit. You know, like Uh I can't believe I I didn't make it to the next round. So I was really disappointed. But I went back home. I remember I went back home and I picked up the guitar and then I started writing, you know, like I started like, you know, I'm just going to write my own stuff. And um, I'm gonna upload my my music on MySpace Music. At oh the yeah, time. <laughs> okay. I remember
0: that. Yeah.
3: So that at the time that was like a really good platform to promote your your music and your craft, you know. So yeah. it's just like,
0: do you yeah. feel like social media has been a big part of building your career and connecting with your audience? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, as a musician, like I'm sure there's lots of creatives and musicians listening to this podcast what advice would you have for someone who wants to present themselves to the world and show that they have talent, but not be too showy about it? Like how do you craft that persona online? Like what, what do you think about when you post something?
3: I think you just need to be authentic. You just need to be true to yourself, you know, like, um, yeah, what well, I go by the mode, uh, the motto um, of undersell and overperform. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you don't have to show too much. You just kind of have to keep that mysterious bit of yourself, you know, and um, and show just a little bit of your talent and let people like wonder more. You know, like totally. um, yeah, you kind of have to be like a little bit mysterious. I feel so. Yeah, yeah.
0: don't become a hype machine. Um, <laughs> what was your first show like? How long ago was that?
3: Oh, wow. Um, my first show, not uh, like, eight years ago, nine years ago. Uh-huh. So if you're talking about, you know, like, me performing my yeah. own stuff. Yeah. A friend of mine, he organized, like, a little acoustic set for his band, and then he invited me to come and he's like, you know, you should perform. I'm like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to perform my songs. And then he put on the flyers, like he put my name on it. <gasps> oh my God. I know. I'm <laughs> like, why would you do something like that? And he was just being like, he thought it was funny, you know, like, oh no, now you have to perform. Like just perform like <laughs> Don't three disappoint, songs. you, nah. And I know. And I had to like, you know, deliver. So that was my first show. And, um you Know it was really fun, like at the time I thought it was just gonna be like a one time thing, like, oh, this is crazy, like, you know, I'm not gonna do this again ever, mm-hmm. so let's just do
0: it. How was it received? <laughs> do people, people yeah,
3: I- people were really into it, you know. And um, I think after people started posting up videos, stuff, I thought, oh, you know, you know, perform at this gig, and um, I Uh, a lot of like local like open mic like organizers picked up on it and you know they they started inviting me to to play for their show so that's how I started like you know like acoustic shows I play the guitar just me and the guitar and performing my song so for like about six months I was doing that until I kind of like recruited my bandmates so yeah
1: it was fun
0: (laughs) What brought you to L.A.? How long have you been here? Because your career began in Malaysia. When did you come to the States?
3: I moved here, I think, uh, 2010, 2011. And uh, I was already doing music back home in Malaysia for about two years. And I got an offer to just come out here and work with some producers. So my my current management label, Indie Pop, Mm. and uh, my manager, Ben, like reached out and like said, like, hey, you know, we found you on MySpace. (laughs) Um, Do you want to, like, come out and record an EP with us? You know, like, we'll set you up with producers um, and so-and-so. And And I was like, nah, I'm not going to just, like, fly out to L.A., like, not knowing who this guy is. And um, I told him to come out to Malaysia, like, meet up, okay, let's meet up. And he turned out to be a really cool dude, you know, like, he's pretty chill. So um, I'm like, okay, let's, let's go to L.A., so... That was how it started, I think.
0: Yeah, and you're still with them. Oh yeah, and so I mean, you moved across the world. What was that like? Was it terrifying? You know, you have you been yeah. in LA the whole time? No. Okay, where did you uh, move? Oh no, I mean, I've been in LA the whole time.
3: Okay. Um, moving from Kuala Lumpur to Los Angeles, I think it was not as difficult as i thought it would be because i really wanted it i feel like if you really want something you don't care you know too much about you're not negative about it you know you're just like positive okay i'm gonna go screw it i'm gonna be alone like i might be homeless (laughs) but you know i might be broke but i'm just gonna do this and see what happens and um so that's kind of like the attitude that i went with but lucky for me like my management they were so supportive they found me like a, a temporary, like, apartment, you know, like for me to like stay in for like a couple of weeks to record and write music. And, um, it was obviously really foreign. Like, I came out here when I was 14 or 15, went to Universal Studios and whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Went on some rides. did the whole you know like <laughs> tourist thing, so I was kind of you know i I got that you know the the vibe that oh okay l a is like this, so when I came back to work, it felt familiar but still you know like really foreign to me, and um it took me like maybe like a year or so to you know get myself adjusted and instead of saying uh water saying water
0: <laughs> oh, <God>. stuff like <laughs> <laughs> i i think i would understand if you said water <laughs>
3: uh, but yeah but you know it's it's fun um it wasn't it wasn't scary at all i think um you know i didn't go through anything negative at the mm-hmm. time
0: so uh, did you have yeah, doubts was- like have you had moments where you've had to like pull yourself up and be like oh my gosh this might not happen or I'm not sure if I'm going to hit the next stage. Like, yeah. you know, maybe before you signed with a major record yeah. label or like, were those, those, t- everyone has those tough moments. How did you cope with that?
3: Definitely. Definitely. I remember I got my first deal, you know, in my first album and then all this opportunity came. And then after that, our, our deal ended like after a year and then trying to look for other labels to kind of like sign me. And that was like the scary part because, you know, if I don't get a label, you know, to, to sign me, like, you know, what am I going to do? You know, like, am I going to just like continue making music independently and not getting an audience for myself? Because I was like a new artist, you know, I, I knew the fact that I, I'm, yeah, I'm huge in Malaysia, but what I want to do out here was a different thing. You know, like I, I, I'm down to like start from scratch from zero and, um, built that career up again like literally just doing this exact same thing that i was doing in malaysia Mm -hmm. like years ago and that was kind of scary to me and uh you know yeah i'm really glad that everything went well like after that we got a record deal recorded an album went on tours and it was a lot of fun you know so I take it like a little bit, like day by day, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mm
0: -hmm. you seem like a very soft-spoken person, (laughs) and you know, being a performer is the complete opposite. You're in front of crowds of people, and here we are on a podcast. I consider myself an introvert. Um, I can't be loud if I've been drinking or, you know, whatever else. (laughs) But in general, you know, it's like it is a crazy thing to be thrust into the spotlight. Um, What has that been like for you? And how do you feel like you've grown and kind of coped with like the demands that come with like an increasing responsibility in your career?
3: Like I consider myself like an introvert as well. I'm really shy. I'm really private about my life. But I understand that being an artist that you kind of just have to just be yourself but amplify it by 10 you know and um Mm -hmm. be more fun like be more colorful you know like if you're a colorful person you're able to just wear like crazy things on stage you know because Mm -hmm. that's what who you are you're a performer so I see myself like that and um I think it's important to first and foremost like just be comfortable in your own skin I think that's that's important you have to be confident you know and um Yeah, and in terms of, like, songwriting, like, how much you want to show people who you really are, it's up to you, you know, like, it's, um, I think being an artist is a lot of fun, because, like, there's no, like, a clear map, you know, where to go, you just, you can navigate yourself, you you know, you you can follow your heart, too, you know, it's, like, that kind of industry, that kind of, like, profession where you can just, like, I'm going to go with this, Ooh, but that looks good, too. Let's go with that. you know, So you just have to really be secure with yourself, I think, like being an artist,
0: you know, when you start working with a record label, you know, what's it like to collaborate with someone who craft you know you're working with to craft your career and your future? Yeah. And what was that like? Where did you start? What was cool about it
3: all was um the fact that they were really understanding, you know, like i I'm signed to a major label. Of verve records like okay with cool. universal and they were super supportive they really cared about like you having your own identity you know and uh, having your own sound so i was really blessed you know like to be able to work with people who were just like okay well you know they catered to my my creativity you know they they wanted me to kind of just like okay do my own thing and um Uh, They supported that as well. You know, like, oh, what do you need? And uh, who do you need to work with? We'll try and reach out to them. So... It was really cool, you know, like, I went from being like, okay, I'm going to do this kind of album and then decided for myself, like, okay, well, you know what, for this album, I want to try and do something more urban contemporary, and they were, like, cool about it, like, okay, let's do it. That's great. Yeah.
0: Was there any point where either your fans or your management or a publicist or anybody was like, hey, we need to change you up, like, let's, you know, put a leotard on, or, you know, like,
3: has that happened? Surprisingly, no, Oh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, because...
3: I don't know, like I have my own style, you know, like um, I carry myself a certain way and they like that, which is like kind of cool. I like Like, it. (laughs) Thank you. So I feel like with the music industry, like a lot of girls are kind of like they feel pressured to, you know, into becoming like a a certain like image, changing your image into like, I don't know, more like a, there's sex appeal in it, you know, because Mm -hmm. That's how the industry works, you know, like with, with younger women. And um, I think, like, it's kind of cool that I had people around me who were really understanding of, you know, my background and uh, where I come from and what I believe in. And they they like me for who I am, you know, and they enjoy working with me. Um, yeah, they were all just super positive and super supportive of uh, my career and what I'm trying to do out here. You know? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So you're you're Muslim, right? Yeah, and that's why she's wearing a headscarf. Yeah, like and that's a in right Malaysia, now. like especially <laughs> from what I learned just preparing for an interview. A lot of the performers are super duper sexy. Is that right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, were you met with, were you just like the weirdo or were people like, what? I was the weirdo. Really? <laughs> Do you feel yeah. a lot less like a weirdo now? Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean,
3: like, obviously. You don't look you know, weird at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a weird thing because it wasn't like um, the music. It's the same. Like, the music industry in Malaysia is the same way, you know, the way they mm-hmm. see like younger girls. Okay, we're going to turn her into this like sexy, like pop star, yeah. you know? And, um, it was uh, widely accepted, you know, like, even though it's a Muslim country, but we're, like, a moderate Muslim country, Malaysia, and, um, yeah, so it was kind of funny when I first started out, you know, people were just like, oh, she has, she covers, you know, her hair, is she gonna play, like, some religious music, so Uh for me, I'm just like, no, I'm just playing, like, pop music, like, you know, I wrote my own songs, and, I was considered, like, kind of like the, the, the weirdo um, at the time. But now it's just pretty normal, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of nice to see I th- that I think change. sex
0: appeal is such an interesting concept. Because yeah. you can be fully covered in clothes and, and so have be sexy. so much sex yeah, appeal yeah, yeah, yeah. and totally, like, naked yeah. and just be, like, really, ew. You know? <laughs> no. just, it's, it's how you carry I think, yourself. Yeah, exactly.
3: Like, you know, like, I feel like for me, like, I like that classy look, yeah. you know? And... Um, I take it like in a positive way when if people say that oh you know what you're you're kind of sexy you know I'm like oh cool
0: thank you 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 know like don't want to be sexy just just because you're wearing I'm a woman I should be (laughs) like (laughs) sleeves yeah um you also have a fashion line oh yeah i do <laughs> tell me about that uh
3: wow i don't know why i feel like pressure to tell you about my fashion line you have all of oh this oh god look at
0: me come on uh well um I'm dressed like what's his name the joanne um, jo- the joanne jo- joanne the
3: scammer uh yeah
0: you guys if you know who joanne the scammer is that's what i look like today just so you know oh <laughs> it's called hata and Una.
3: It's called Hata Ayuna, and it's a collaboration uh, between me and my friend, who's a a really, like, awesome designer. I work with him all the time for shows, like, if I need clothes. Uh And, you know, performing in Malaysia, it's, like, you kind of have to be, like, over top a little bit, you know, so I can't really wear what I'm wearing right now. Like, it has Uh to be kind of, like, glittery and stuff like that. And he does a really great job, like, doing, like, gowns, these gowns, like perform on stage and um uh, I work with him a lot these couple of years and we just decided you know what let's do something fun let's come up with a clothing line like girls in Malaysia they're a little bit afraid of wearing like loud like Mm -hmm. colors like you know prints so yeah we were just like okay let's do that let's you know let's do the total opposite of what people are doing these days like in in Malaysia and let's Go with that, and we came we came up with this really fun clothing line. This collection it's called Nova Flora, Um, and it's kind of funny because right now like it's fall, right? But our collection looks like it's you know for spring. (laughs) But you know what? Like fall doesn't exist in Malaysia. Let's just go with it. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Like I was back home last month, uh, launching the the clothing line, and it went really well. So yeah. That's Maybe so a little exciting. fashion show. So yeah,
0: it's cool. Tell me about your songwriting process and how has, you know, how has that evolved over time? Like, do you work with a team? Like, how many albums do you have now? Oh, wow. Um, I released
3: three albums out here. Okay. Um and another three back home. Wow.
0: So, Oh my gosh. Albums. <laughs> are the albums very different in Malaysia? Or is it, are you, do you sing it's in Malaysian?
3: Kind of, you know, is I that, sing, yeah, kinda... I, I uh, there were a couple of songs, um, that were, um, in Malay, like the language. Malay, okay. um, And, um, I was like, uh, yeah, no, that's not the <laughs> Malay are <or> Malaysian. <laughs> but, um, Uh, Yeah, but most of the songs, see, that's why I moved as well because most of the songs that I wrote in the past, you know, like, okay, I have like two Malay songs and like eight English songs that I can't really market it back home because they weren't as popular as the Malay songs. So I needed like a place where I could market my English music and that's why I knew that I had to move out here Mm -hmm. to to do that. And uh, so I have... Yeah, six albums in total. Wow. My my latest one is like my baby. You know, like What's it I, called? It's called Chapters.
0: Cool.
3: Yeah. Where can we find it? It's on iTunes, it's everywhere. Spotify, okay, cool. title, anything you can imagine. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 there. So why do you
0: love it so much? What's tell us about it?
3: When I wrote it, I was in this phase where I was learning a lot of things about myself. You know, I was going through like um a rough time a little bit like 2014 2015 was like shit to me
2: So bye bye 2004 2015
3: i went through like a you know like a breakup like i lost someone i lost a family member um so it was a lot to deal with and i'm out here alone you know what i mean i miss my family Things were just really slow in my, like, music career. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? See, you know, those were one of the moments where I just had, like, a little bit of, you know, a panic attack. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to be 30. What am I going to do? You know, uh so. But, yeah, I think that was kind of, like, my baby. Because, like, really, I just, from that, I produced this thing. I wrote the album entirely myself. And. I worked with amazing producers who were really supportive within those two years. You know, they were there, you know, like telling me, yeah, this song is great. The song is like, maybe you can do better, you know. So at the time, I really needed that kind of support. And they became they, they became like my friends at the end of the the recording, the entire recording. It was just me learning like how to become a woman and not being afraid of, you know, like whatever. Like I lost someone. But I can carry on, you know what I mean. At the time, it felt like, oh my god, like what am I gonna do, you know? But mm-hmm. um, after chapters, it was like a, a nice closing of that chapter. I yeah. guess like okay, yeah. close 2015.
0: Mm-hmm, so <laughs> Bye. <nice. Spy. laughs> Bye. 2015. Um, so working with producers, you know, I know some. Creatives are really sensitive, and you know, it's, you write your own music, but you know, it's it's a collaborative process. And if someone has a suggestion, like, was there ever a time early on where you were like hurt when someone would suggest, like, "Hey, what if we did it differently?" Oh, yeah. Like you took it as criticism or something. Like, have you have you learned how to cope with that? And like, is it a positive thing now? It, you know, like I learned how to
3: just like I'm very I'm a very nice person when it comes <laughs> to like working with people. I'm just like, okay, let's see, let's give them a chance, you know. If I really don't like it, I will I will tell them like I don't think this is gonna work out. Um, so I'm not definitely like I give them an opportunity that we can try yeah. this out, but I'm not shy about really letting them know how I feel, really feel about it, you know. Yeah. And um, but yeah, in the beginning, like um when people would say like, Oh no, you know, you know, you're not this kind of artist. You're this kind of artist. So that kind of like hurt me a little bit. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
3: no, I'm not that, you know, but I've always been really stubborn in that sense. Like, you know, I know I'm going to do this, you know, it's going to be my way. Um, but now like I get it, you know, I get the, I get the idea of like collaborating, like collaborations are good, you know, like you need to grow. That's how you grow. So yeah, now I'm just up for that, you know, like I can. I'm down to work with, like, EDM DJs or, Uh you know, like, uh it's not, like, it's totally, like, different from what I'm doing, but let's do it. Let's try something and come up with something cool so that's the
0: nice thing just about like getting older is that you feel yourself stretching and yeah growing and like and you're not surprising s- yourself and being like wait a minute an edm dj yeah. No, me What? <laughs> <laughs>
3: but it's fun you know like yeah. music is fun it's supposed to be fun yeah. i imagine that's the same way with fashion you know
0: like you i like music to- too <laughs> <laughs> so yeah cool um and you're currently on tour you're on tour how do you keep your sanity on tour
3: I don't know. It's really hard, especially when you're a girl and you go on tours, you know, you need to shower. I mean, for me, yeah. like, yeah. I can't live in a van or, like, you know, like, maybe in the future, like, if I get a tour bus, and okay, fine. Uh-huh. But I need to settle down somewhere at the end of the night, you know? Like, um, the traveling part is tough. Like, you just be in, you, you'll be in the van for, like, 12 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, and um, if you're lucky, it's like, oh, three-hour um drive from whatever mm-hmm. like new york to philly you know mm-hmm. so it's fun though you know i love traveling because i'm not from here yeah, so it's always it's like a, a new, constant country. yeah it's constantly like a new thing for yeah. me like i'm like what the hell is this oh this is the gorge or whatever you know like this like <laughs> this huge like um river cliff thing and it's beautiful yeah. and um um that's the toughest part. Like you're a girl, you need to look good. You need to constantly like take care of your vocals and mm-hmm. and the wardrobe thing is a, a thing as well. Yeah. Like I got a comment from a fan once, like saying like Oh, she wore that last tour." So I'm oh just like, God. now I'm like, okay, well I can't be wearing anything. <laughs> I can't no. recycle my clothes. I know it's so crazy. yeah. Um,
0: what would you say your proudest moment has been? My proudest
3: moment would be selling out my first show i think in san wow. francisco that was my the first show that i, I you know sold out like we in san francisco you perform um the great american hall oh wow yeah that's big yeah <laughs> it's like it was incredible because like um san francisco i always get like the best crowd in san francisco so, that's so cool. they all come out like really if i'm there they're just there you know and it's like you can you can just like tell oh yeah we, we're
0: definitely going to sell out san francisco that's so cool yeah mm-hmm So there's a question I ask everyone who comes on this podcast, Mm -hmm. which is um, what your girl boss moment was. And a girl boss moment is like the time in your week, like the last week or so, where you did something for yourself, where you felt like you were in control of your life, where you weren't just, you know, letting your life run you or your calendar run you. Um, What would you say your girl boss moment was in the last week? Wow. In the last week? Week or so, (laughs) yeah. That you did something for yourself. Could be personal. Could be professional.
3: Wow, Uh, let's see. You know what? I think it was like treating myself to a really expensive um, lunch. Nice at um, the spot called Republic.
0: Okay. Yeah, I live nearby on um, Fairfax. Mm -hmm. Okay.
3: I ordered a bunch of things and just only for me. So so nice. (laughs) So I think that was my girl boss moment. I'm like, you know what? I can afford this. You know, this is a beautiful day. I'm gonna have you know uh, lunch. All by myself. I think it takes a lot for you to be able to do
0: that. Like because, sit in a restaurant by yourself? Yeah, because there was a time where I would not would not do that. It can be a little awkward. Yeah. I'll do it. I do it once in a while. Mm-hmm. But usually I'm just trying to, like, feed myself and get the hell out of there. It's hard <laughs> to, like, sit and be like, I'm going to really enjoy my lunch. Oh, that was me. But, like yeah. Yeah. Last week. But <laughs> like, there's nothing more. I mean, you were literally, like... Yeah, you know, you're using your hard-earned money to like nourish your body. Oh yeah, you know, that's I'd, a great girl. Boss that's moment.
3: like yeah, that's what one thing that I don't mind spending my money on. Yeah, just like spending money on food mm-hmm. anywhere in the world. I'm like, okay, let's do it. You know,
0: so. Well, <laughs> so Yuna, tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet and elsewhere. Uh, I'm on Instagram,
3: uh, <laughs> Una Music, Twitter, Una Music as well, uh, Facebook, Una Music. And um if you guys wanna know more about me or like, you know, infos about my my tour, um, com. Cool. And, Consistent. Yeah. I'm on Tumblr, You Oh my gosh,
0: amazing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Do you have help with all that? Uh, I just run everything myself, yeah. you know what I mean? I can't give my um, yeah mm-hmm. to anybody really else. Identity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Cool. Thank you so much for coming on Model Radio. Me. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. This is fun. Yeah. Now for some girl boss moments. Girl boss moments are a time in your week when you felt like you were in control of your life. That could mean getting a promotion, finishing your Ph.D., or having some much-needed alone time. And whatever your girl boss moment is to you, you can send it in on Twitter and Instagram with hashtag moment. Francia Raisa. Says the real Francia, my toilet broke for the second time and I didn't call a plumber or any of my male friends to fix it. I figured it out on my own. Um, I've clogged many a toilet and it's really nice to take care of shit on your own, don't you think? <laughs> Jennifer Corbier said at Gen Co 789 started saving today, setting up for retirement one day at a time. Pretty cool. Tori Born Gasser. At Tori Borengasser says, change the broken headlight on my car by myself while also wearing a white shirt and not getting it stained with grease. That's amazing. Damn, Tori. Nina HB at Smarakuha says, I managed to repair my old Canon AE1 reflex camera myself by just observing the mechanics and figuring out what's wrong. That's amazing. It's a good camera. Kaylin R. Adkins at Kaylin Renee 13 says, talk to students of my alma mater about hashtag public relations. Having your own business. I was there six and a half years ago. Wow. That was another episode of Girl Boss Radio. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. Our producer is Shara Morris. Thanks also to Odelia Rubin, Kristen Meinzer, Laura Mayer, Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks also to the band Phases for our theme song. You guys, I'm Sophia Maruso and I'll be back next week. Thanks for joining I'm in love.